chapter 10, I want to talk a little bit about what I feel like the Lord is doing this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message that ties into this, but I'm not going to preach this message. I'm going I'm to give it to you now. Uh, this isn't the sermon, although it might become that. Who knows? Uh, but, but I want to I share with you what I, just, what I feel like the Lord is speaking over 2021 and what he wants to do this year in your life. How many of you are ready for God to do something miraculous in your life this year? Amen. Amen. I believe one of, I I really seriously believe that God is going to do something supernatural in our lives, in your life this year. We we went into 2020 and it was, it was funny as I reflect back on what our vision was for 2020. Everybody was talking about double vision and all these things and the year of the blessing of the Lord and all this and, uh, and it, it really was. I mean, you, you look at the craziness of the year, and, and you can miss out on what God was doing. He really did give us double vision, I guess, and we saw things differently, right? There was some, there was some self-awareness happening and some deep dive into what God was saying and doing in our lives. What do you really believe? And, you know, what do you really believe about the Bible, about who Jesus is you just go to church and check the box, or you really believe it. You know, there's a lot of great stuff there. But, but I, I reflect back, and our, our verse for 2020 was from Joshua, be strong and courageous. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're still holding on to that. As we, as we continue on in our Jericho Victory campaign, we're still marching on in that. But I really believe in, in uh, this year, in 2021, it's going to be a year of supernatural encounters with the Lord, miraculous miracles, things that you've been believing God for. How many of you have, have, have a promise from the Lord, something that you've been believing God for for a long time? Let me see your hand. You believe, you're believing God for something in your life right now. Those of you that don't have something, you need to get something. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean that lightly. I'm not trying to poke fun. I mean that. You need to get something from the Lord. You need to get something that you're believing him for, whether it's family member, whatever. Let me read this. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to keep going. I want to read this. Mark chapter 10. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. So there's Jesus is with his disciples. There's a crowd around him. And blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, And say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I want you to get the picture here of what's happening. We read the stories and we often miss what's happening. But Jesus is surrounded by a crowd of people. As was pretty normal, he's he's walking through the town. He's surrounded by a crowd of people. His disciples are with him. And this blind man on the side of the road starts to cry out. Now, historians tell us that this was not an uncommon occurrence for blind people. At, the, at this time, to sit along the side of the road. We, you know, in, in Akron, you can drive through and you'll see beggars sitting, you know, one or two here or there. The, this, the historians tell us that there could have been a third of the male population along the roadside, blind, begging. for. So this, this was a common, I mean, if you look around the room, how many people do you see with glasses on or how many people you know have contacts and these kinds of things? You know, blindness, we, we have fixes for this today. You know, there's, there's medical technology that helps us with this today. But at this time, that didn't exist. And so 
If, you're, if you think about that, a third of the male population, and who knows how many women in addition to that, were along the roadsides begging for help because they couldn't see. And so here's blind Bartimaeus. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they warned him to be quiet. So the disciples in the crowd are telling this man, shh, be quiet. Jesus is walking through. You know, we want a somber we want a somber moment. Jesus is walking through town. We want it to be dignified. We want, you know, we don't, we don't need the, you know, Jesus's uh, uh, secret service agents. We're trying to keep everybody at bay and keep everybody quiet so that they could have a, have a holy moment. And, uh, and blind Bartimaeus wasn't having it. So he cried out all the more, the Bible says, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, this this is a prophetic statement. What he's saying here, son of David, he's recognizing Jesus, not as the Jesus of Nazareth, who, you know, just that, hey, the good guy, the carpenter's son. He's recognizing, he's saying, you are the Messiah. You're the promised one, the son of David, the prophecies about the, the coming king. This is, he's associating this man walking through town with the prophecies about the, the Messiah, the coming savior. And so this is, a, this is a prophetic statement. It's a recognition of who, of who Jesus really is. And so verse 49, Jesus stood still. I should just capture that for a moment. Here, this, this man, blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, he was blind, calling out this one man had enough disturbance to stop Jesus. He caused Jesus to stand still in the middle of the crowd and take time out for him. I would ask you today, what is disturbing you? What is, what is the disturbance on the inside of you today? What's, what's been bothering you? What's that promise that you've been waiting on the Lord to answer? What's that thing on the inside? Maybe it's a lost family member. Maybe it's a husband or a wife, spouse. Maybe, maybe it's a, a situation with your children. Maybe it's a call to ministry. Maybe there's something that God is stirring on the inside of you. There's a disturbance on the inside of you. I, I pray this year that if you don't have a disturbance, first off, God is going to give you a disturbance today. There's going to be something agitating you, a Holy Ghost agitation for something deeper on the inside. Amen. I, I hope and I pray that, that if you don't wake up in the morning with something stirring on the inside of you, that today there will be a deposit from the Holy Ghost that, that you will begin to be disturbed in your inner man for something greater, for something more real. And this, this man wanted to see. He wanted to be able to see, not just hear the crowds, not just hear about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus for himself. He wanted to see the reality of things for himself. Not just have someone tell him about it, just not just drop money into his coffer, but something real, something tangible. Is there a stirring on the inside of you for something more? There's a, there was a disturbance. Are you, are you all out there this morning? Is there a disturbance in your heart this morning for deeper? Jesus. What, what is it that the Lord's stirring in you? What is it? What is it that, that, that the Holy Ghost is poking you? Even this morning as I'm 
sharing this this uh, this is just the offering message but but what is it that the holy ghost is stirring on the inside of you maybe maybe you're believing god for a financial breakthrough hello don't shout me down how many of you can use finances raise your hand you're lying if your hand's not up how many of you i'm serious how many of you can use finances this morning raise your hand you can use finance how many of you are believing god for a fi- family member this morning you're believing God for something in your family. How many of you are believing God for something in your ministry this morning? Let me see. You're believing ministry-wise. Amen. That's awesome. This man began to cry out to the Lord until he took time to hear him. Is there such a disturbance on the inside of you that will keep you crying out until Jesus stands still and takes time to listen to you? You know, we have this idea, well, I don't deserve that. We start playing these tapes in our, in our minds. Well, I don't deserve that. I mean, who, who am I after? I've asked before. It didn't happen. We come up with all of these excuses, right? We come up with, well, common sense tells me, or, you know, if, if this really, you know, this really, and we come up, right? We come up with this list of why it won't happen, why it can't happen. I've prayed about it already. And Jesus takes time to listen to this man because he was persistent in his disturbance. This year, I want you to become persistent in your disturbance. I want you to become persistent in what you're believing God for. Do you, do you have it written down? Do you have your scripture? Do you have a word from the Lord? Do you have a verse written down somewhere? This is what I'm believing God for. If you don't have that written down, you need to get it written down. Write it down in your planner. Write it down on a postcard. Put it somewhere where you can see every day, 300 and how many days, 365 days we have this year. I don't think it changed in 2021. We don't know. But however many days you have this year, you're going to see it. Every day, put it somewhere and be persistent in your disturbance. God, you said, as for me and my household, Lord, you said over my finances that if I would give, if I would be faithful in my tithes and my offerings, you would open up the windows of heaven for me and pour out a blessing that I couldn't contain it. So, Lord, I'm opening up my my bank storehouses. I'm opening up my, my pocketbook, my wallet. I'm opening it up and saying, Lord, overflow my resources, overflow my time, overflow my talents, Lord, whatever it is. Come on, somebody, I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting this morning. (laughs) Become persistent in your disturbance. Maybe you're being disturbed this morning as I'm preaching. Maybe maybe there's a disturbance happening just as I'm sharing with you the word of the Lord, that he's disturbing you, he's stirring something on the inside of you. And so Jesus, this is where where I really want to zero in. And Jesus said to him, come here. Bring him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling to you. Now, you know, I, I, my flesh side wants to say, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> You know, you've been telling me to be quiet. Now he, the master, Jesus, son of David, wants me to go. And I, that's not in the Bible. And I don't know that he did that. But I'm just saying, that's kind of what I would be thinking there. And then... 
he, cut, he throws off his garment. Now, I, I'm not going to take time on that, but he's, he throws off his beggar's coat, his, his old identity. He throws off his old identity. I'm the beggar. I'm sitting here blind and begging for, for help. He throws off the beggar's garment, and he gets up, and he goes to Jesus. And this, verse 51, this is where I want to zero in on, verse 51. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? If Jesus were to walk into the room today and stand in front of you and say, Angie, come here, Brad, come here, and start going around the room, come here, come here, not really, but, but start call, calling you forward, start calling you out and saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What would you tell him? What would you ask him? Is that disturbance, is that thing that's been disturbing you? Is it so deep on the inside of you that Jesus say, what do you want? You'd say, you said, as for me and my house, to be born again. You said that you'd bless my finances, my resource. You said that you would open the doors that no man could shut. You said that you would give me supernatural wisdom and direction. What is it this morning that you're believing God for? This year, he's calling to you saying, what do you want me to do for you? He's calling to you saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What are you believing for? Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able. Do, we, do you have that deep kind of faith and revelation of who Christ is, that when he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? That when you say that, when you name that thing, that you know, I know whom I have believed. I've committed. That word belief means to commit. I'm going to fall over this thing. I want to walk. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded, I have committed that word belief means to entrust with. So I know whom I have entrusted whatever this thing is, that disturbance, I've been trusting this to him. I'm giving it to him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded. I have a confident expectation that as I release this, as I give this to him, He's going to take care of it. He's going to handle it. Why? How, do you, how can you know that? How can you know that when, when Jesus calls you forward and says, what is it that you want me to do for you? That it's going to be handled. How do you know that Jesus is going to take care? I have an assurance this year. I have an assurance this year. That God is going to be doing supernatural works in your life. How do I have such an assurance that God's going to do this thing? How do I know? Because Jesus, like blind Bartimaeus, is saying, come here. What do you want me? Jesus isn't going to call you forward and say, what do you want me to do for you? If there's not the intention to fulfill it, right? Jesus would not have called blind Bartimaeus forward to humiliate him. And say, oh, sorry, next time, bud. Jesus knew from the outset what blind Bartimaeus needed. Jesus knew before blind Bartimaeus ever started yelling out on the, on the road that, that 
he was going to be there and what, the, what his need was. But Bartimaeus, this, this blind Bartimaeus, had to begin to vocalize, to put out, to speak out in faith his need. And believe that as he began to speak out, Lord, have mercy on me, that God was going to have mercy and answer his cry. How did that, how did that happen? There was, there was a belief. He said, I know whom I have, Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I've entrusted. And I'm persuaded. I have a confident expectation that he's going to take care of this thing. Where does that, where does that come from? This is, just hang with me, Psalms, I told you I was going to end up preaching a message around this. Psalms 89. Are you all still out there? Is this helping you this morning? Psalms 89. This is a powerful scripture. Psalms 89 verse 34. It's one of those scriptures I have underlined and notes all around in my Bible. So I, w- I would encourage you to underline this verse, study this verse. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. God says, I'm not a man that should lie. Why, why, why could God not lie? When he speaks, when the word, his word goes out of his mouth... Blind Bartimaeus, what did Jesus say to him? Go and be healed. He received his sight. How could that, you know, our brains don't understand that. How does that work? How does that happen? When God speaks, he is his word. Jesus is the personification of the word of God. John 1 tells us that in in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. And verse 14 of John 1 tells us, and the word became flesh. God's word became flesh. It's personified in the person of Christ. So when God says, I'm going to work this mirror, I'm going to do this. What do you want me to do for you? He can't lie. If he's promised healing for your life, he can't lie. He's a healer or he's not. When he said that, that your infirmities, he took upon himself your infirmities, your sickness, your disease, the chastisement of your peace was upon him. That's what he meant. He can't lie. My covenant I will not alter. He will not break. I'm not a God that I should lie. He will not break his covenant. You know, it used to be that someone would make a, a, a word or a covenant, a verbal covenant that was their bond, right? There was this saying, my, my word is my what? My bond. We, we don't live, you know, this modern generation doesn't tend to understand that. Uh, the current generation doesn't tend to understand that. But that, that, that used to be a thing. You could shake on something and it was, it was a done deal, right? You, you'd say it and you were going to do it. God... It's more than his bond, it's who he is. When God speaks, it's who he is. Healing is who he is. Joy is who who he is. Provision is who he is. Blessing is who he is. Love is who he is. Salvation is who he is. It's it's all, it it is his essence, it's who he is. And so when, when you come to him with your disturbance, 
with your promise and you say, as for me and my house, this is what you said. The problem is, we don't know what he said. When I, when I asked you earlier, what promise are you holding on to? How many of you have a promise? Did you, do you have a word written down? Is there a promise that you're clinging on to? Is there a contract in this book that has been made with you? If so, God made this contract of his own will. I told you I was going to preach. I didn't mean to preach on this. I'm trying to take it off. If you want to give, go on ccacron.org slash give. Your realm account, we're going to put the, there's an offering box in the foyer. So you can give. Just give. Give, give, give. Give now. Give. That would be great. God entered into this promise of his own accord. He created this covenant with you on his own accord. And he upholds this covenant on his own authority. So the binding effectiveness of this contract, your healing, your provision, your blessing, walking in victory, the binding contract is not based on your signature at the bottom. He signed it. He signed it and sealed it in his own blood. Do you not believe me? <laughs> this, what is the promise of the word of God for you? What is, what is his plans for your life? He's called you out of the old lifestyle that you were living. He's called you to live a kingdom life. A kingdom, a kingdom life. That's, that's my, that, by the way, that's my theme for this year. The kingdom life. The kingdom life. The kingdom life. What do you want me to do for you? He's the king speaking over your life. What kind of life do you want to live? Where do you want to be in 2021? I'm not, I'm not talking about some self-help message and make you feel good about yourself. What is the promise of God for your life? For his church? What is his promise for this church? What is his promise for me? What is his promise for you? What kind of life do you want to live? Do you want to continue on like blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road, begging, broken, not happy with life, not living at peace? Or do you want to step in to his blessing and his goodness and his joy and his provision? It's every area of your life. Every area of your life. Your family your finances, your resources, spiritual, all of it. What do you want me to do for you? My covenant I will not break. My covenant I will not alter. My word I will not break. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? At the end of service today, we're going to take time. We're going to, we're going to pray for everyone who, who wants prayer. And we're going to pray over those promises for this year in 2021. We're going to pray over 
those things that you're believing God for in 2021, that you're saying you're bringing them to the Lord this, so this today before you leave, you're going to bring those things, those things to the Lord, to the altar. You're going to say, Lord, I am asking. I'm bringing my disturbance. I'm laying aside what common sense says. I'm laying aside what, what all of my former objectives and all those things, all of my, you know, woulda, coulda, shouldas. I'm laying aside all of the uh, why that can't happen, why this can't happen. I'm going to lay it aside. I'm going to lay aside my, my letdowns, my hurt. I'm going to lay all those things aside in 2021. Lord, this is what I believe in you to do in my life. I'm believing this is what's going to happen in my life. This is what I want you to do this year. And watch what God's going to do in 2021. I, I really believe, I really believe, I, there are things that I'm believing God for for our church. There are things I'm believing God for for our, our family individually. And I, I am already, and it's, it's what, January 3rd, already seeing the signs of those things to come. So I want you to get ready for this year. God is going to do, he's going to blow your mind. If you'll, if you'll walk in, now listen, this is a shift. What I'm teaching you, what I'm telling you is a shift for some of you and how you've been living. The reason it's so hard for you to wrap your mind around Jesus actually stopping to say, what do you want me to do for you, is a shift in your mindset. Because you have lived under the oppression of a slavery, what the Bible calls it, slavery mindset. Romans, Paul says, do not take up the, the, the spirit of slavery. You've, you're living under the oppression of the enemy and can't see that the king has already declared you free. And so the old way of thinking, that oppressive mindset is, how do I just get by? How do I manage? How do I, how do I make enough money sitting on the side of the road begging in order to fulfill whatever the next step is, to live to the next paycheck, to make it to the next thing, just to be at peace with my un, un, uh, unsaved family member, my lost family member. How do, I just, how do I just get by? And what I'm teaching you, what I'm telling you, is it's a lifestyle of faith. What I'm telling you is a lifestyle of faith to say, the king has called me forward the king has called me forward and has asked, what do you want me to do? The one who can supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Did you hear that? All of your needs. What is it that you want today? We're going to worship the Lord with our giving this morning. So I want you to get your offerings ready. I'm going to, I'm going to, preach my sermon. I'm going to get back on track here. But I, I, this is your year. This is your year for miracle, for breakthrough. I want you to get ready. If those of you who will embrace it, if you'll embrace it and say, Lord, I'm not just going to live status quo. I'm, just, I'm not just going to live to get by. I'm going to shift. I'm going to shift my mindset. We're going to shift this perspective. I'm going to live by faith this year. 
I'm gonna live in 2021, I'm gonna start living by faith, not by what I see. I'm not gonna just go on what I see, I'm gonna start living by faith and expecting the miraculous, expecting the supernatural. Watch what God will do. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless your people today as they give. Lord, as they sow their seeds and tithes and offerings. Lord, bless them. Let your abundance be on their households. Let your abundance be on their resources. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You can bring your offerings forward. Give online on the app. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, give us ears to hear this morning. Lord, tune in our ears. Tune, tune in our hearts, Lord, this, this first Sunday of the new year. Lord, tune us in. Tune in our hearts and our ears towards heavenly things, kingdom things, Lord. Father, help us to see what we've not seen before. 
Lord, we lay ourselves out on the altar this morning saying, Lord, change us. Change us this year. Do a supernatural work in my life this year. Change me, Lord. Lord, make me more aware of your presence, of your joy, of your peace, of your goodness. Lord, take me in, Lord, even today, Lord, even deeper into that quiet place, that secret place with you, where I'll abide, Lord. I'll live under the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, pray that with me. Lord, just change me. Just ask him, Lord, change me this year. Just say, Lord, change me. Change my life. Sensitize me, Lord. Wash off all of the junk of last year. Wash off all of the muck and all of the garbage of, of the past, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for newness, new life, new vision. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seated this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Judges chapter 6. If I had an objective, if I could say I have an objective for, for your life, our church, your life this year, it's that you and I would live the kingdom life that God's called us to. Some of you, I say that, and you're like, I, I'm not real sure what that means. Well, good, because we're going to go on a journey this year together where you're going to discover what living a kingdom life is all about. Not just you, listen, you were not just born again to survive. You were not just born again to sit into church, check your box, come into church on Sunday, be a good Christian even. You were, you were born again for so much more than that. You and I were born again to make a difference in this life. You, do, you, do you realize that? You were born, you were born again, you were given the name of Christ. You bear his name, his mark on your life. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it's not just to go through life and to, to have a paycheck, to do your job, to have a good family and good, good home. All those things are great. But you were born for more than that. You were born again for more than that. Thank God for that. But there's more to this life than just those things. You have been empowered with the Holy Ghost. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living and dwelling on the inside of you. You have the seal of the Holy Spirit on your life. Do you believe that this morning? You've been given the gift of faith. The, the supernatural world, the heavenly world, is made alive and real to you and I. It's the, heaven is accessible to you and I. It's not, this isn't just a concept or a good idea. Heaven and all of the heavenly purposes, provisions, the blessings of the Lord are made accessible to you and I. Amen. This, this is... The life that God has called you and I to. It's not, not just getting by. It's not just checking the box. God has called you to live a kingdom life, an overcoming life, a victorious life. I want to take a look this morning at a man uh, that you're probably very familiar with. His name's Gideon. How many of you know Gideon? 
Gideon was in a, in a really rough situation. Uh, the Israelites found themselves in a, in a really, brought on by their own stupidity nonetheless, but they, they were in a not good situation. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. How many of you brought your Bibles this morning? Let me see your Bibles, your iPads, your phones. Awesome. Bring your Bibles to church, your devices, you, whatever. One of the things I want to encourage you to do this year, carry your Bible with you, whether it's on your phone, your iPad. I like, <clears throat> I like my, my Bible. This is my Bible. I like my Bible. I, I feel I, I can't preach out of any other Bible. I have to have my Bible. I can't study out of any other Bible. I have to have my Bible. So have your Bible with you. I want to encourage you. Come to church. Bring your Bible. Bring your iPhone. Bring your, Most of you do, but just encouragement there. And the other thing I want to challenge you to do is this year, if you've never taken notes when, with preaching, take notes. Whether, it's, whether you're writing notes in the margins of your Bible or you have a journal or an iPhone app, whatever you do, take notes. So I want you to get, form some new habits. And the reason I'm saying this, you, you take notes, you're taking notes every day in life. You're writing things down, you're going, your tasks you have to get done, things on your calendar, you're constantly inputting information. How much more important is inputting the Word of God? How much more important is inputting and memorizing and getting the Word of God into you? So, so do this. Just take my word for it. If you say, Pastor, you're crazy, that's fine. Just take my word for it. If you're taking notes, which I'm sure you are now, write this down. Kingdom living requires acknowledging and shifting your identity and your mindset. If you're going to live a kingdom life, you have to shift your identity and your mindset. Gideon found himself in, in a really not good situation. Let, I, I'm not going to take the time to read all of Judges chapter 6. Do it on your own. But let me just paraphrase for you, summarize some of this. But Gideon, the, the Israelites had sinned. They had found themselves in, in the bondage of the Midianites. The Midianites were uh, forcing them to live in caves. So you have to think about for a second, they're, they're living sinful lives. They've betrayed their relationship with God. They're now in bondage to the Midianites, living in caves and dens in the mountains. They're not living in homes. They're not living prosperous lives. They're living in caves and the dens in the mountains for seven years now. When we come to the story of Gideon, they've been there for seven years. And the, the Malachites and the Amalekites would come up against the Israelites and they would destroy all of their produce, all of their crops, and their livestock. They wouldn't take them, carry them off to eat them and enjoy them themselves. The Bible says that they would come in and destroy them. They would come in and destroy their plants, destroy their harvest, destroy their livestock so that they would have absolutely nothing. That's the situation where we find Gideon in the Israelites. It's an absolutely deplorable situation, hopeless situation. And we find Gideon, the the. Bible tells us here in Judges chapter 6 that the nation of Israel 
was greatly impoverished. Now, I want you to rewind the clock. When they left Egypt, they were not impoverished. They left with the gold, the wealth, all of the things, the blessings. And that was the life that God had intended them to live, to live an abundant life. Remember, they were to go into Canaan, the, the land that was flowing with the blessing of the Lord. And now they find themselves impoverished, not just, not just a little poor, but greatly poor, greatly impoverished. And they begin to cry out to the Lord. The Bible says they cry out to the Lord. Reminds me of blind Bartimaeus. In his greatly impoverished state, he cries out to the Lord. And when they cry out, God responds by sending a prophet. Now this is interesting. God sends them, we don't know, it just sends, sends them a prophet. But he doesn't really bring encouraging words. The prophet's message was was. I was the God that delivered you out of Egypt and out of all the oppressors of your enemy. I'm the God that went with you and told you not to fear the gods, the foreign gods of the land that you live, not to fear them, but you have disobeyed. That was the word. There was no source of hope. There was nothing happening. God just said, I brought you out. I delivered you. And now you've disobeyed me. It's kind of like, you know, um, with our kids, they do something wrong and I show up and say, you're going to get in trouble. You're in trouble, but I have no, there's no plan of what that trouble looks like or what the discipline looks like. I've got to think about your trouble. I've got to think about your discipline. I've got to think about what punishment looks like. And that's what it kind of sounds like. It's like God's saying, I'm going to punish you. You've disobeyed. You've crossed the line, and you're already in bondage, but you've just, you've just made it worse. And I've got to think about this. But all at the same time, while this is happening in Israel and everything that's going on and God's sending the prophet, God begins to speak to a man named Gideon. And we find, we pick up the story in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an, an Oprah, and which belonged to Joe. And by the way, I don't think that's the uh, named after the Oprah that we know. Anyway, which belonged to Joe Ash, the, all the... Bug bites, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So here's Gideon. He's hanging out where in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. The Midianites are coming in, destroying the crops, destroying the livestock, and Gideon is hiding. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. Now, the angel of the Lord, we know in the Old Testament, is, is the person of Christ, the angel of the Lord. And we see this demonstrated in the angel of the Lord's response. So this is the Old Testament manifestation of, of, of Christ, of Jesus. And he's showing up here in the Old Testament to Gideon. And he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. If you're asking yourself, why on earth is the angel of the Lord calling Gideon, who's hiding out in a wine press of all things, a mighty man of valor? You're asking the right question. Why on earth would the angel of the Lord be doing this? Verse 13, Gideon said to him, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our father told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? 
Verse 15, so he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring you my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. And so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from, a, uh, from the flour and meat he put in a basket and put the broth in a pot and he put them out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And so he did. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now, I just want to reflect here for a moment. Remember, the, the question I'm asking is, where did he get the food? The, the Midianites and the Amalekites were there present in Israel at this very moment, destroying all of the livestock and the food. That's why Gideon was in the wine press. Where did he get it? Can I just, can I pause here and just talk about the supernatural provision of the Lord? The very thing that, the very thing that Gideon needed to release, needed to release an offering, the very thing that Gideon needed to sow and release for a miracle to happen in his life was even provided supernaturally by the Lord. He protected the, the very thing that he needed to sow an offering. Gideon perceived, after the angel of the Lord departed, Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. Gideon didn't get it until that moment. <laughs> so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I've seen you face to face. And the Lord said to him, he wasn't present, audibly says, peace be with you. Do not fear you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it the Lord is peace, or Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. I want to take a look this morning at, at what it means when we talk about shifting our perspective, shifting our mindset to live this kingdom life. God is calling you and I out of hiding. He's calling you out of the wine press, out of the places where, where you want to hide and shrink back and say, oh, that's not possible, or you want to come up with the excuses, or... or God wants you to become like a blind Bartimaeus croaking out on the roadside with your disturbance. And so Gideon is here and, and the angel of the Lord has called him out of the wine press. And they begin to have this conversation. And the very first thing that the angel of the Lord says to Gideon is he calls him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. In other words, God is speaking to Gideon about his identity. Gideon calls himself the weakest, and God says, I, I've called you a man of valor. That word valor, it, it means to uh, be a warrior. The, the word valor is to have strength, to have might in the original Hebrew. But Gideon's fear rose up, and he, he responds, what did Gideon say? 
He says, why has all this happened to us? Where are the miracles? And we're forsaken. The response of Gideon is, why, God? Why has this happened? God's come to him and said, you are a mighty man of valor. You're going to deliver Israel. And his response is, why has this happened? That's that old nature. It's that old fear mentality. Why has this happened? Where are the miracles? Where are the things that God used to do? I remember the good old days. And God's saying to Gideon, Gideon, it's time to step in to, by faith to what I'm doing right now in your present. Stop looking over what was. Yes, I know that things look really bad in Israel right now. I know that the Amalekites and the, the, and the Midianites are rising up against it. I'm well aware of that. But I'm coming to you today to tell you, you're going to deliver Israel. And I would say to you today that God is, again, he's standing before you today saying it's time to change. It's time to step in to a new life, the kingdom life, the overcoming life. Stop hanging out with the woulda, coulda, shouldas in Israel and step in to what God's called you to. This is a year for you to step into what God has called you to. You say, well, I'm not sure what that is. Good. The angel of the Lord, Jesus, is here today to give you your assignment. He's here today to give you your purpose. He's here today to speak to you about your identity. Mighty man or woman of valor. It's time to step up. It's time to rise up. It's time to step into what God's called you to. I think about the man with the withered hand. That Here he is. He's, he's hiding out in the temple. Don't want anybody to see his withered hand. And what does Jesus do? The very thing that he was insecure about. The very thing that he was uncertain about. Jesus walks into the temple and says, Hey, stick out your withered hand. The thing that you're not comfortable with, the thing that you don't want people to see, the thing that's held you up in life, you're not able to work or provide for your family, do all these things, stick it out. Show everybody. Let them see the withered hand. <laughs> they <laughs> Put out the withered hand and let me, let me see, let the world see. Why? Because it was in that moment. <laughs> it was in that moment that Jesus showed up, took the place of insecurity, took the moment of insecurity, and healed the man. Healed his life. The very thing that you're insecure about. The very thing that, God, could you ever use it? He doesn't waste a thing. He's changing your identity. The little boy with his lunch. Remember the little lad? Five loaves. My wife is, is getting touched today, so you just have to... She's, just join in, it's good. The little, the little boy in his lunch. God, God worked a miracle. In that moment, God took the insignificant 
and fed 5,000. The old self, that fear self, tells us that we're powerless. Why? God, can this, why would this happen? What, you know, what's the issue here? God, you used to work miracles. You used to do this. Where are we at today? Faith is the ability to say what God is doing in the moment. What, it's our spiritual perception. I say this all the time. Faith is our spiritual senses. It brings the reality of heaven upon us. Faith enables us to see what God's working and doing. It's our, it's our ability to taste, touch, to perceive the unseen world. When you view yourself through the eyes of faith, what do you see? Do you, you can't see the broken, busted, disgusted old self, the bound self, the, the self that's in chains and in bondage to sin. When you look at your life through the eyes of faith, you see someone who's been liberated. You see the blood of Christ that's been applied to your life. You see the seal of the Holy Spirit. You see the calling and the identity of God on your life. And so through the eyes of faith, we see what Gideon in this moment could not see. He saw all the past. He saw the present issues and couldn't see what God was working in him for the future. God says, I'm, I'm calling you a mighty man of valor, a warrior, a man of riches and strength. God has call, called you. He's changed your identity. He's given you an identity called redeemed, chosen, justified, adopted, blessed, Favor. Do we need to keep going? What is your identity? You're a new creation in Christ. Forgiven. Reconciled. He's made you a disciple maker. Gifted you with spiritual gifts. Deposited spiritual fruit into your life. He's made you a warrior. Victorious. That is your identity in Christ. Put on. Put on the garments. Put on the, the clothes of the identity that Christ has given you. Cast off the garment of fear and discouragement and worry and anxiety and put on the clothes of his praise. He's promised, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And I want to say, the Lord is with you. Everybody say that, the Lord is with me. Everybody say that, the Lord is with me. That's powerful. He's walking with you. He's sitting beside you right now. He goes with you to work. He goes with you to your home. He's promised to never leave you, never to forsake you. Romans tells us that if God gave his only son, how will he not with Christ freely give us all things? David said, where can I go from your presence? He said, in your presence is fullness of joy, pleasures evermore. In Exodus, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Jesus told us in John, I will ask the Father to give you another helper, the Holy Ghost, and he will be with you forever. He's walking with you. He's living on the inside of you. He's closer than the air that you breathe. He's giving you a new identity and he's walking with you. What can stop you? If God be for me, who can be against me? If he's walking with you, if the Lord goes with you into battle, he will give you victory. The second thing that the angel says to Gideon is to go in this mind of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Go in this might. What was... 
Gideon's response, I'm the weakest. My family's the weakest and I'm the weakest of the weakest. I'm, I'm so weak, I'm hiding in the wine press. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that God gives power to the weak and might to those who are powerless. God has given to you and I strength. He's given us might and power to face what he's called us to. Gideon was going into battle not sure of what God was going to do, not what was going to happen. He was going to fight for Israel. And you look at the the testimonies, the stories out of Gideon's life. How was that possible? God gave him power over his enemy. God has given you power. We said it earlier, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same power, the same anointing is living on the inside of you. Jesus told us in Mark 9 that all things are possible to him that believes. All things. Everybody say that. All things. All things are possible to him that believes. Gideon was stuck in disbelief. He was taking in the word of the Lord. He was taking in what, what the angel of the Lord was saying, but he was still coming back with fear and disbelief. Have you ever been there where God spoke into your heart and, and the response is, to, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, why this? Well, you used to do this and that fear rises up. Maybe this year, even as we're talking about living the kingdom life, what is it that you want me to do for you? That fear, well, what about? All those fear responses start coming up. That belief, I said it earlier, belief is entrusting. It's saying, I'm taking whatever this is and I'm entrusting it to. I'm putting it into your hands. Belief is the response. It's the mindset of faith. So when you have faith, God illuminates your spiritual perceptivity. You have a sense of heavenly things, God plans, God purposes. He makes his word alive to you by, and faith is illuminated in your heart. That's faith. The, the mindset that comes from that is the belief. It's saying, I believe that God is able to do this thing that he spoke to me about, that he's made alive or real to me. When God uh, speaks to you, for example... Um, Veronica and, and her, her testimony with, with having babies. The, you know, the, the news was what? In the natural, you couldn't have a baby. And the, the news in the natural was negative. That wasn't possible in the natural. But God said otherwise. God's word supersedes. The supernatural word supersedes the natural word of the doctors. And so we began to put what? Faith illuminates what God says. It makes alive what God is saying and doing. God said, the promise was, you're going to have a baby. So faith makes that alive and real. As, as real as this pulpit is, as real as this platform is, faith makes that word and the reality of that word so real and tangible. That's the life of faith. The Bible tells us that the just, are there anybody that calls themselves just? The righteousness of the Lord in the building this morning. Anybody? That's you. You are, the, you are the just. Say, I'm the just. I'm the just. And I live by faith. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's made you. He's made you just. You have that identity. You hear me this morning. 
You have that identity. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the just. And the just shall live by faith. Okay, you're tracking with me. Good. So when we live by faith, the mindset or the worldview, how we filter life is through belief. Not Christmas belief. You know, we just had all those things. Believe. Not holiday spirit. But belief in God. And trusting Him. And trusting Him with the, the baby. And trusting Him with the situation. And trusting Him with your family. And trusting Him with your finances, your resources. You have belief in Him. How does this all start? Let's go back. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the what? The Word of God. So this is where faith comes from. I'm baby stepping today. Faith comes from the Word of the Lord. Faith is illuminated and this word is made real in your heart. When he says that I am the God that healeth you, it is alive and real in your heart. And no matter what sickness or disease or COVID or whatever happens, I am the God that heals you. Period. You say, how can you make it through? How did, how did we get through COVID year and not be depressed and discouraged? But we were victorious. We launched new ministries. We did new things. It was great. How do you do that? Well, it's not by living in fear. What it could have should us. It's by faith. This is what God said. Faith. And then belief is the, is the mindset or the worldview through which we view things. We, it changes how we perceive the world around us. Faith, faith enables us to see through spiritual eyes. Gideon was looking through natural eyes. All he could see is the woulda, coulda, shoulda's worth. I'm the weakest. My family's the weakest. The, the situation's hopeless. Oh my goodness. The world is falling apart. That's all he could see. But faith enables us to see through spiritual eyes. We begin to see the world differently. You begin to see that family member differently. You begin to see that job situation differently. You're not just working to get a paycheck. You're working to be a blessing. You're working because the, the providence of the Lord is pouring out blessing on your life through that job so that you can be a blessing to someone else. Did you hear me? It changed, faith changes. It's, it, coming to church isn't just about being a churchgoer. It's about fellowship and community and experiencing the Lord together and building up the body of Christ. It's, it changes how we perceive the world around our families. I'm not just raising kids. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm raising kids who are one day going to stand before the Lord. And so I, have, I see it through faith's eyes. They've got to they be ready to walk into eternity. What are they going to do when they get there? Faith size changes. I'm not looking at COVID and all the mess and things that are going on in the natural. I'm seeing it through faith size and I've entrusted it. I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to what? To keep that which I've committed to him. Paul knew what he had believed in God for. His life, his ministry, his family, his whole entire life had been committed to the keeping of God. Belief. Everybody say belief. That's belief. Faith is, is the perception. Belief is the mindset. And the Bible tells us the result of that 
is our good works, the actions, it's the overflow. And so Veronica has a belief they're going to have a baby. Guess what they do? Well, I won't tell you. But they, <laughs> they had to have action. The, the Bible says that Abraham knew his wife. <laughs> but if you believe God said you're going to have a baby, you start preparing. You start getting the baby things ready. You start preparing the nursery. If God told you that your family member is getting born again, are you making plans to start bringing them to church? Are you getting ready to help them find a church, get planted, get discipled? If you're believing that God's going to bless your finance, what are you going to do with $10,000 or a million dollars if God gave it to you? What are you going to do with it? Do you have a plan? Are you, are you operating in faith? Have you sat down to say, this is what God has spoken. This is what he's made real to me. This is the belief that I have. I'm committing it to him. And this is the action. This is how God is. I'm prepared. I'm taking it. When, I guarantee you that when God said to Noah, build me an ark. Noah just didn't send out his family and go get me, go get me some lumber. God gave Noah a plan and 120 years later, there was an ark. Did you hear me? When God sent Elijah into the widow at Zarephath, she was preparing a meal and going to die. It was all she had. And Elijah said what? Give me the last that you have. Go fix me a meal instead. Seeing through the eyes of faith. If Elijah was looking through the eyes of the natural, he would have had compassion on the woman and said, oh, sorry, you go eat and die. Let, don't let me take your last meal. But he saw through eyes of faith. Faith. God had spoken to him and said, I've commanded a widow to take care of you. He goes into town, finds the widow, tells her, if you'll, if you'll give, if you'll release the seed, if you'll sow, if you'll give, if you'll be obedient, eyes of faith, belief, entrusting it to the Lord, and then action, give it to me, God will make sure that that jar of oil and the jar of flour doesn't run out. And as long as the famine lasted, that, those two jars were always full. and That woman always had enough. Why is looking through the eyes of faith, belief, all things are possible to him that believes. Why? God, God said this. I didn't say this. This wasn't some catchy slogan we decided to put up on the wall. Only believe. This, this is real stuff. <laughs> this is real stuff. Why does this work? Because you are entrusting it to God. It's not about your strength, your talent, your abilities to complete the work. It's hearing the word of the Lord, allowing belief to then transfer ownership. Lord, you've got this. I know you're going to work this out. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to have all the... I, you've got this. And because I know you've got this, I'm going to get busy about what you've said. Does this make sense? Is this helping you this morning? This is kingdom living. This isn't just going from 
This, understanding this, will unlock the door for the supernatural in your life. Understanding this is very basic about who you are in Christ, that He's walking with you, and understanding the, under, this belief, understanding faith at its core. This is the life you were called to live. Thirdly, the angel of the Lord says to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. He guaranteed him victory. Not only am I going with you, you're a mighty warrior, changed his identity, but I'm guaranteeing that you're going to have victory. It wasn't because Gideon was naturally strong and powerful that the Lord gave him power. The Lord strengthened him. And what is Gideon's response? I find this very interesting. He says, show me a sign. I need to know it's you. Show me a sign. But something happens in this moment. Gideon goes and he prepares an offering. He goes and he prepares to give. Now, some of you might be trying to tune me out right now because I said offering. Offering, giving, is more than your money. Money is all a part of it. And sowing, offering, tithes and offerings, the the money is a part of this. But that's not everything. He prepares to give what he has. I said it earlier, but God had had spared the the sacrifice for him. That's a a whole other story. But God had... God has even given him what he needed. God gave him what he needed to give in this moment. But he prepares an offering. There's power in sowing and reaping. He had taken in the word of the Lord, but he didn't understand. The perspective didn't change until he released something. He had heard the angel of the Lord tell him, you're a mighty man of valor. I'm going with you. You're going to bring victory. All of these things. But the shift didn't happen in his life until he sowed a seed. He had to release what was in his hand. And a lot of times we hold on. We want to hold on for safety and dear life to those things that are in our hands. Our past, our insecurities, the weaknesses in the moment, all of those things that Gideon was facing, all of the things that Israel was facing in that moment was in his hands. And it was the very thing that he needed to sow. He needed to let go of all of that stuff. All of the things that were holding him back, he had to let go of it. He had to sow it on the altar of sacrifice. And when he did, when he gave, When he gave, everybody say that, when he gave, when he gave, what was in his hands, when he gave it, that's when he perceived that he was with the angel of the Lord. He had seen God, he had seen the Lord face to face. He had seen the Lord face to face, and and we know that even the fear of, oh, I just saw the Lord face to face, I'm going to die, that was coming up in his heart, and the Lord even spoke to him audibly in that moment, you'll not die. 
What is God saying that you need to release? What are the things that you need to release today to step in? What do you need to sow? Maybe, maybe it is finances. Maybe it is money. But maybe it's more than that. Maybe there's something else in your life that God's saying you need to let go. You need to offer it on the sacrifice. Start with what you have. A change of perspective. And the confirmation of the next steps come as you make the one step forward on who God has called you to be. It was one step, one step forward. I'm going to sow, I'm going to give, I'm going to release what's in my hand. And when he did, he had a change of perspective and the confirmation of what he was supposed to do next came. God is showing up to you here January 3rd, the start of your life in 2021. What, we, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you're believing God for? What is it that you need to see? What miracle do you need to see take place? And you can hear the word of the Lord, but the very first step, the very first step happens before you ever get out of this building. The very first step to walking into what's next in your life happens before you ever leave this building. And it's putting it on the altar. It's releasing what's in your hands and saying, Lord, I'm letting go of all of the fear and the insecurities and what was. I'm laying it down. I'm offering it on the altar. I'm going to give. I'm going to sow. I'm going to release something. I got to get something into the ground. Even if it's all of the mess of last year, I got to get something into the ground. Isn't it interesting that God, you can sow your discouragement, your fear, your work, you can sow even those letdowns, and God takes those seeds and makes something beautiful out of it? Isn't it interesting? I mean, that's just like God, right? You can take your mistakes and your past, you can take the, the money that you have, whatever, and sow it into the ground, and God does something beautiful with it. And then I want... I want to reflect, because Gideon has this moment with the Lord. It's so powerful. As a matter of fact, it was so life-changing for him. He calls the place Yahweh Shalom, or the, the Lord of Peace. And still, the Bible notes, still called that to this day, Yahweh Shalom. That word Shalom is really powerful. We, we interpret it as peace. We, we translate, translate that a lot in, as to peace into our life, but it's so much more than that. The word shalom, if you were to go in Israel, you greet someone and, and you say shalom, it's, it's to say, I wish you to be in good health and prosperity. It's, it's a greeting, it's a blessing to say, I want you to be healthy, prosperous, I want you to be content. I, I often use, you've probably heard me say, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything in order. It's there's everything is in its place. You're in harmony with others, harmony with yourself, harmony. It's, it's this place of, of perfect peace and harmony in your life, your emotions, your mind, who you are, who you are with others, who you are with God. Everything in order, everything in place. That's where Gideon steps into. When he has this revelation by faith of who he is and what God's called him to do, and he gives, he, he sows a seed. He calls the place Yahweh Shalom, the place of nothing missing, nothing broken. 
everything in order. You look at Gideon's life in this moment, nothing was in order. Nothing was in place. The Midianites and the Amalekites were still attacking. Israel had no food. They were still living in dens and caves. Life did not look like shalom. But he saw through the eyes of faith rather than the eyes of fear. And when he did, he could say, Yahweh shalom. Everything's in order. Nothing missing, nothing broken. This year, I believe God's going to do that in your life. It's going to be, this is a moment, for some of you, I, I feel this so strongly, this is a defining moment for you right now to draw the line in your life to say that I am I'm putting on the altar all of the what was. I'm putting all, like blind Bartimaeus, I'm casting off the beggar's garment. I'm casting off my old identity. I'm casting off how I used to be known, the things that have happened, how I would identify my life and define my life. I'm casting it off. I'm throwing it off and I'm taking on mighty man of valor. Mighty woman of valor. I'm taking on the identity of the Lord. My life is going to be Yahweh Shalom. Some of you, I feel this so strongly this morning, need to, you need not only to make, to cast off, but you need to declare that this morning. My life, my family, my home, this year, going to be a place of shalom and nothing missing, nothing broken, everything in order. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus is walking the aisles this morning. What do you want me to do for you? Why don't you stand with me this morning? Worship team, why don't you come back? We're going to pray for everyone this morning as a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do this as a, as a step of saying, Lord, I'm going I'm, I'm to sow, sow seed. Some of you this morning, the seed, you might need to actually go deal with something. You might need to go face something as a result of sowing your seed. You, you know, Gideon, Gideon had to go deal with something. <laughs> he had to go get his offering ready. He had to go deal with something, bring out his offering and put it out. And the Lord consumed it. Some of you might need to deal with some things this morning and allow the Lord to consume them on the altar. You might need to consume some stuff in your life. You might need to lay down some old ways of thinking. Say, Lord, this year, this year, I'm going to see the supernatural. This year, I'm going to step in to what God's called me to. This year, my family is going to be in wholeness. This year, life, life, this year, life is going to flow into my family, my business, my job.
want, I want to pray for you this morning. I want, to, I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you. I want to agree with you in prayer for this year, for what God's going to do in your life this year. The worship team is going to lead us. I invite you to just come find a place here at the altar. We're going to pray together. Come on, let's worship. Jesus, Jesus, come on, the altars are open. You come. Come on, we want to pray over those things in your life. Do you believe in God? What do you want me to do for you? The Lord's saying, come on. Come on, we want to agree together. Come on.